Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. Learning to read isn't easy. I mean, I've just been doing it with my daughter, first year of school. We sit down every night, do her reader. I find that painful enough, bless, but I'm really excited about the fact that she's reading. But you know, up to 25% of children struggle with it. Indigo was a child who struggled with this and she was diagnosed with dyslexia when she was five years old. Her story touched Sydney author Wendy Fitzgerald. Hi, Wendy. She's with us now. With her is Dr. Robin Weldall. She's the director of Multi-Lit, which stands for Making Up Lost Time in Literacy. It's a leading provider of effective literacy instruction in Australasia. So basically, they're helping kids like Indigo learn to read. Welcome both to Kindling. Thank you. Let's start start with you, Robin. How common are reading problems and dyslexia? And are there any gender differences? Good question. Um, As you've said, up to 25% of children struggle to learn to read. Uh, We would say that not all of those children have dyslexia. We think that probably around 3% of students actually have dyslexia because there are other reasons why children struggle to learn to read. And some of those are not to do necessarily with the child, but might be to do, for instance, with the instruction they're receiving at school. So it's um, that doesn't mean, though, that those kids aren't struggling and we need to deal with all of those children. But the enduring problem is a much lower percentage The gender differences are not as great as we sometimes hear. So uh, the research evidence shows that there's just a few more boys than girls will struggle. It's not a vastly different amount. So there's no real major gender differences in the incidence of dyslexia. And how do you tell if it's enough of a struggle that they need help? Because, you know, when you're going back with your child and they're learning to read, You've forgotten what it was like to learn yourself, and it it seems really hard. (laughs) Yes, and it is hard. I mean, English is a difficult language to master. Um, But if your child is actually taking longer than perhaps their peers to get it, uh, that that may be an indication that there are some difficulties. Um, If the child is having problems isolating the individual sounds in language, that's a key marker. A lot of um, what we talk about with dyslexia is a phonological processing difficulty, which means that it's difficult for the child to actually hear the discrete sounds that are in the language that make up the words. So, for instance, it's a, it's a familiar one that we hear about cat, cur, at, ter. A child with dyslexia may not be able to isolate those in, individual sounds or phonemes. And because dyslexia is about mapping the language sound onto a letter, it's critical that you can do that. And that is the fundamental difficulty. Dyslexia really is about having difficulty learning to read and to spell. That's the definition that we prefer. Okay. Um, Wendy, if I can bring you in here. Um, Your... Your book, Indigo Solves the Puzzle, is about a little girl who has dyslexia. What drew you to do a story like this? 
Well, about 2010, I saw an article in the paper and it said, get aboard with Indigo Express. And it was about Indigo and her mother and telling the story that when... um, when Indigo was in kindergarten, she had trouble sort of even making sense of the letters. So other kids were picking up reading and when she looked around, they just jiggled around in the air. She couldn't understand it at all and couldn't understand why. And then when they found, when she spoke to her mother about it, um, mum said, OK, we'll find a solution to the problem. We'll find why. We'll find out what we can do about it. And they did. They contacted Multilit. They got onto the Multilit program and Indigo worked hard with it. But then she decided that they'd start a fund under the Sydney Community Foundation um, to help other kids with reading. And I thought that was just a nice circle, a way to to approach a problem in life. And I thought other kids could learn from that. So um, I contacted Indigo's mother and we we thought that if we made a picture book for kids then they could learn about it through that way and and understand perhaps what their peers might be going through yes in terms of um picking up something like this robin is it something like this in terms of picking up dyslexia is it something that you find the parent identifies before the teacher or it's something that you kind of you know you're in that conversation and finally say oh right the light bulb goes off. Yes, it can be um, can be both. It can be the teacher and the parent. Uh, the parent may have some inkling beforehand if there are some basic things that are happening before the child goes to school. A child with a significant learning difficulty like dyslexia will probably exhibit some of those things before school. So they might have difficulty you know, hearing the rhymes in words, for instance, in some of the nursery rhymes they hear. So they may not be picking things up that, say, another sibling will have done. Having said that, it's a highly heritable condition, so it does run in families. So the parent may have seen it before with with another older child. But the teacher will also tune into that. But that does depend on also the teacher and the way the teacher is teaching. So it's not an absolute definite thing that the teacher will necessarily pick it up. And sometimes we hear parents being told, just wait, they'll, you know, they'll grow into it, just give them time. And a lot of really valuable intervention time can be lost. So we would say, go in early. So I think teachers and parents need to be aware of this difficulty. And do we actually know what's happening? Is it something neurological that our brains are... I mean, I think about my daughter at the moment. She's she's done quite well with reading. It's the end of the year and she's doing, I think, brilliantly. But D&B, she always mm. gets mm. the wrong way around, which mm. is quite easy to mm. stick with a That's circle right. on the bottom. But is there something happening? Is there something happening between brain and mouth for those children who are dyslexic? Well, it's... As I said before, it's to do with this phonological processing element. And the human brain hasn't been wired for reading. We've been wired to, for speech, but reading is a cultural acquisition. And our brains have to do a kind of retrofit to actually get the reading bit. So some kids' brains, it is a neurological thing, some children's brains will not do that as readily as others and there will be a sort of a a bit of a slower progression in that. So those kids who struggle with that need more repetition, more instruction and they need it frequently so that those pathways, those neural pathways can be built. They can be built over time but they need a lot more practice, a lot more repetition. So it is a brain issue 
and it's got nothing to do with intelligence. Uh, it's just a specific thing that we're asking kids to do, especially with the English language, which is a complex orthography, and B and D reversal is very, very common. Uh, usually passes without too much uh, difficulty, but very common in kids who don't have dyslexia. Um, so it's nothing to worry about. So uh, it's it's a, it's about them needing more of good instruction, more of the same. You're listening to Kindling Conversation and I am speaking with Wendy Fitzgerald, who's an author of Indigo Solves the Puzzle, and Dr. Robin Weldoll, who's the Director of Multilit and Honorary Fellow at Macquarie University. People with dyslexia, do they often have enhanced spatial and lateral thinking abilities? Uh, we hear a lot about the special gifts that some dyslexic kids have. And uh, while some people may have other strengths, I don't believe that there is a necessary addition that you will have those strengths if you have dyslexia. I think it's great to focus on things that are positive when a child struggles for any reason, but I don't think we should necessarily ascribe special skills or talents to every child who has dyslexia. Obviously, these things are in a normal distribution, normal range. Some kids will, some kids won't. So, um, Wendy, you got together with Indigo to do this book. What was it like making it with her I mean you mentioned that she'd already started doing the multi or finished the multi-lit program with Macquarie University what was it like working with her on this book like what did you discover about her as a as a person we worked on this and the interesting thing that I found too when you look at dyslexia a lot of a lot of famous people surprisingly had trouble learning to read when they were when they were at school and she found that fascinating I think too but but I think the qualities of persistence and um, just being able to make a mistake, not being scared to try things, I think is really important. And kids that have got some sort of um, problem have can strengthen those abilities if they really try hard to, you know, overcome it. But we we worked with um, Little Steps as part of New Frontier at Forest French's Forest, and we worked with a, a young illustrator called Sophie Norser who was still at school herself. Wow! And very very good illustrations, lovely bright colourful. They're fun beautiful. Yeah. So making the book was actually a really fun thing to do. Yeah, and I can imagine that would have been quite empowering for her. Robin, the the process of taking a child through the multi-lit program is part of it rebuilding their sense of confidence because it's really hard to go to school and you're learning all these new things and if you feel straight off the bat that you're mm. failing, I can imagine that could have really long-term impacts on their it's, education. It, it certainly does, Siobhan. It really can have a major impact on um, their engagement in school, on their self-esteem, on their self-confidence and their motivation. And so part of what we do in Multilit is that we, we don't work directly on the confidence, but we work on making sure that what the child does they can do and that they are building mastery in the things that they need to know. So the things that we're asking them to do are not beyond what they can do and we're slowly building up 
that competency. And of course, when you're good at something, you feel good about yourself. We also give a lot of very positive feedback that recognises that effort and that success. So our teachers are all trained in positive teaching, which does have a big lift as well. But the real gains are made by these kids having skills that they knew they didn't have before. And that's a critical part of the hope that Wendy's talked about. To have hope that you can actually get there is huge. I mean, these are young children often surrounded by a lot of failure every day in school. As you say, it's a very hard thing for them. And that confidence growing is absolutely essential to them remaining engaged in learning. Is multi-let something that's easy for someone to be a part of if their child, if they discover their child has dyslexia? And, and I'm wondering if that's a nationwide thing as well or just New South Wales? No, it is nationwide. Um, we actually, uh, Indigo came to our literacy centre. Not everyone can do that. Um, uh, we have two in Sydney, one in Canberra, but that's also a user pays service which means parents have to be able to afford to do that some parents can't but a lot of the work we're doing now is actually in schools so and this is um, in schools across Australia across um, in in some of New Zealand there are multi multi happening in schools and in some parts of Asia so we like to think that if we can train teachers to deliver our programs, we actually develop programs and then offer training in those programs, that that instruction is happening in schools and that's really ideal because that can happen every day. And with a child with dyslexia, it's that intensity of instruction, the regular exposure and the gradual building of the skill that's the critical thing for success. Well, um I'm thinking of, as well that this book must be something that will help a lot of children know they're not alone. So Indigo, Indigo Solves the Puzzle. We will be having it as part of Settle Pedal at 5 o'clock tonight, so make sure you tune in for that. But um, where can they get this book? If someone's listening and going, oh, I've got to get this for my kid, where can they get it? Well, through my website, through Indigo's website, or um, Little Steps, New Frontier Publisher. Okay, well, we'll put all those links up on our website. And I just have to end by saying, I didn't know that Jackie French was dyslexic. And she's gone on to be an incredible writer and author. So if children can't be inspired by that, you know, it's incredible, right? Well, ladies, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. You're very welcome. That was author Wendy Fitzgerald and Dr. Robin Weldahl, Director of Multilit and Honorary Fellow at Macquarie University. Hi, we're the Beanies. Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made. What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-It-All knows... Hello, Beanies. Hello. The The Beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.